awesome. I didn't know my dad was here. Well, good morning. Um, a couple of things that I want to get uh, do before I do the sermon is, first of all, thank you for having me here. It's, it's an honor. A couple weeks ago, uh, Galen came and told me he was going to be gone on vacation, and I'm sorry to hear that he was unable to do that, and he asked if I'd do the pulpit supply, and I said, absolutely. Absolutely, I would do that. I consider Galen a good friend. I consider a number of you here good friends. We've shared a few horse rides together. We've shared some Bible study together. And your whole faith community, I look at as a wonderful example for what it means to be the body of Christ. So to be here to share the word with you today is, is a treat for me, and I thank you. And just briefly about myself, so you know who's in your pulpit today, for those of you who don't know me, I was born and raised in Halleck. I've spent my whole life there. And 22 years ago, the Lord blessed me with a wonderful woman named Kathy, who's been my wife and best friend now these past 22 years. And I am thankful for that blessing. We worship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Halleck. And Trinity is a baby. Uh, Trinity is a year old. On, on July 4th of last year, ironically, it came to be. And uh, I was raised in East ELCA Lutheran, um, but I'm sure a lot of you are aware there were some doctrinal shifts going on inside of our church. And uh, last June and July, a, a bunch of us met and said, we need to find a different way to, to worship and stay faithful to the word. And our first meeting was in the Halleck City Hall. And I said, okay, we want to do this, but how? And as evidence that the Lord provides, within a week, we had a beautiful church building, uh, St. John's Episcopal Church, which was uh, really not operating regularly, said, use our building. And they gave us this beautiful, wonderful place to worship. And we said, great, we've got this place. Now what? We don't have a pastor. What do we do? And it's been very much like an Acts church. Just within the lay community, people rose up to lead worship, to preach the word. There's about eight of us that rotate through the pulpit uh, doing lay services. And uh, we've grown very fond of hearing the word from a bunch of different voices. It gives you a new perspective. It keeps it fresh. We did hire recently a pastor who was with us uh, two times a month, a wonderful young lady named Amber Bergeron. We teamed up with another church in Badger, our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Badger, so we, we share the time. Uh, so on the second and fourth Sunday, she's there, but on those other Sundays, our lay preachers are filling the pulpit. So the other thing I want to do today is extend an invitation. I know there's a number of you who are very comfortable in the word and excellent preachers. And if you would consider uh, speaking the word at our church on any given Sunday, we would love to have you. And if that's something that interests you, talk to myself, talk to Donnie Thurlashes, he's here today, talk to Rock Bach, and um, we could work that out. And we would love to hear your voice uh, preach the word at our church as well. So I think those are the things I wanted to cover. Join me in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just praise you for who you are and what you've done. We praise you for these opportunities to gather and worship. We praise you for this fellowship. And Lord, I ask now that you bless these words that you've written. Lord, that they may be of you, from you, for you, and that they glorify your name. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And I'm going to read a piece of scripture, and I, I thought it was very nice of you to uh, 
have this played out in front of us because this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Familiar words, and I think we saw a pretty good example of that just a few minutes ago. It's from Matthew uh, chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Do you ever get the feeling that Jesus really enjoys challenging us to do things that we think are impossible? I do. I think it amuses Jesus greatly. Not because he's so impressed when we do some superhuman acts of kindness or because we overcome seemingly impossible odds to achieve some noble goal. But I think it amuses him because he knows just how easy it is for us to do these things. The most impossible tasks can be accomplished by one simple act, which Jesus describes in the gospel today, when he tells his disciples, bring them here To me. In this case, he was talking about their meager food rations, but it is a much, much broader statement than that. It applies to every aspect of our lives our cares, our concerns, our relationships. Jesus says, Bring them here to me. Bring them here to me as an act of faith and obedience and watch what happens. Now you'll notice that this is not a passive statement. Jesus is asking us to do something. He is asking us to do the bringing. And in fact, he goes one step farther than that when he tells his disciples, these people don't need to go away. You feed them. To which his disciples go, huh? How? How do we do that? Well, the how is laid out in thousands of years of Jesus and God's holy word. The how was laid out in the three years of Jesus' earthly ministry. And the how is still available today through the eternal gift of the Holy Spirit. And that how is to be like Christ. Now, I didn't say to be Christ. I said to be like Christ. There is a huge difference. 
And just so you don't think I'm crazy, this challenge comes straight out of Scripture. Ephesians 5.1 Therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as dear children. So how do we become more like Christ? We practice. When I was a kid, I had three heroes. Fran Tarkenton, Jack Nicholas, and of all people, Muhammad Ali. Now, I know that makes an interesting trinity, but I was a bit of a sports nut as a child. And when I'd watch these people compete, they'd inspire me to be like them. So what did I do? I copied them as best I knew how. I became, like Fran Tarkenden, a quarterback, and I played that position on my high school team. Now, nobody, and I mean nobody, said, doesn't that Johnson boy remind you of a young Sir Francis? <laughs> it just didn't happen. And yet, it didn't stop me from trying. It was in his honor that I tried. And when I'd watch Jack Nicklaus play golf, I was so in awe of what he could do that I wanted to play golf so badly you just wouldn't believe it. And now 30 years later, as proof that prayers are answered, and to steal an old joke, I now play golf so badly you just wouldn't believe it. (laughs) And when I'd watch Muhammad Ali box, I was so mesmerized by his strength and his speed that all I wanted to do was float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. So I set up some mattresses in my front yard and I convinced my younger brother to be my first opponent. (laughs) Now keep in mind that I was a teenager at the time and Mark is five years my junior, so my first opponent was a 10-year-old kid. (laughs) Now I thought, this boxing thing is really easy if you just pick the right opponent. But after I snapped off a few jabs, uh, he started to cry and he threatened to quit. So to keep him interested, I offered him a free shot at my chin. No one ever said I was a genius either. I put my hands behind my back, I stuck out my chin and said, here you go, take your best shot, which he did. And he dropped me cold. (laughs) I was out like a light. And when the lights came back on, I decided to go back to football and golf and anything else that was safer than boxing. But the point is that if you want to be like your heroes, you practice. I was never going to be Fran Tarkenton or Jack Nicholas or Muhammad Ali, but it didn't stop me from trying. We will never be Christ, but we can emulate him and we can reflect his light. Jesus encouraged his disciples to take that step in the gospel today. As the hour grew late and the disciples looked out in the crowd, they said to Jesus, send them into the village to buy something to eat. And Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You feed them. And the disciples go, with what? How are we supposed to feed them? We have five loaves and two fish And that won't even handle the first row. 
What do you mean we should feed them? We cannot do this. It is impossible. And they were right. For man, it was impossible. But what do we hear in Matthew 19.26? In that scripture, we hear Jesus responding to the disciples and their frustration at not being able to earn their own salvation. And Jesus says, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And when the disciples said, we cannot feed this crowd with only five loaves and two fish, Jesus said to them, bring them here to me. And he blessed them. And the impossible happened. All were satisfied. God's mercy is never ending. And his blessings are infinite. He can use the smallest things, even faith as small as a mustard seed, to move mountains. We worship in small places. We are few, and the world's troubles are many. So what can we do? Well, if we're practicing being like Christ, what did he do? He dealt with those things that were right in front of him. Where there were people willing to listen, he preached the word. Where there were men and women ready to follow, he taught and trained disciples. Where there were sick, he healed. Where there were hungry, as we read today, he fed. And always, always, Christ prayed. Jesus prayed to the Father for guidance as when he chose his apostles. We read about that in Luke 6, 12-13, where it says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to him, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also called apostles. Jesus prayed for guidance. And he prayed for strength. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, then your will be done. And he prayed for compassion and out of compassion for you and for me. In John 17, 20, Jesus prays, I do not pray for these alone talking about his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me. Jesus prayed in compassion for you and me. And we can do these things as individuals, as Lancaster Covenant, as the body of Christ. We are called to them. Well, we can, try, we can try to find excuses why we can't, but that's all they are is excuses. We can say like Moses, but Lord, I am slow of tongue. I do not know what to say. And the Lord answers that 
in Exodus 4.12 when he says, I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. We can be like Paul and say, I am weak. I do not have the strength to do this. And the Lord answers in 2 Corinthians 12.9 when he says, My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. Or we can throw up our hands in despair like the disciples and say, I cannot do this. It is not possible. And we know the Lord's answer. With man, this is not possible. But with God, all things are possible. So what is impossible in your life? Right now, what is as daunting in your life as it was for the disciples looking out over those sea of people and having nothing but five loaves and two fish? Is it a flooded out crop? Is it an illness? Is it an addiction to booze or drugs or porn or food? Is it a stack of bills that you cannot pay? Is it loneliness? Lord, this is impossible. I cannot deal with this. I cannot fix this. I cannot make this right. And Jesus says, I know. But I can. All those impossibilities in your life, bring them here to me. Bring them to me in your prayers. Bring them here to me in your worship. Bring them here to me in your daily living. And you will be satisfied. Like those thousands who sat on the hill in Galilee. Will you always be satisfied in the way you were hoping or expecting? And the answer to that is no. But I promise you, it will be better. Because when we seek the Lord, he provides not necessarily what we want, but rather what we need. A few weeks ago, during our children's sermon at Trinity, our pastor asked the kids what they thought it would be like if everybody started speaking different languages, like it was at Pentecost. And a young boy answered, I had oatmeal for breakfast this morning. It was the right answer, even though it wasn't the question being asked. And that's how God deals with us many times. He gives the right answer every time. It's just that we often ask the wrong question. We may pray for success, and God's answer may be what you need What I will give you is faith. We may pray for him to make our lives easier. And God's reply may be, what you need, what I will give you, is perseverance. We may pray to God for healing, and his answer may be, what you need, what I will give you, is hope. And we may pray to God for life. And his answer is, I give it to you. 
I give it to you in abundance, both now and forever, through my Son, Jesus Christ. Bring yourselves to him and be satisfied. Amen. Do we have a hymnal?